Hi, and welcome to a special Christmassy episode of Podcastles with me, Georgia, and my sister, Nikita. We've come to the end of Berkshire now, which means it's time for another theme episode. And obviously, given that it is December, we're going to do a Christmassy episode. It's Christmas in the castle. There's so much we could talk about in terms of Christmas and royalty, nobility, leaders, castles, all that stuff. So we're going to focus on one specific area this Christmas, particularly since we looked at Windsor a couple of weeks ago. We're going to look at Victoria and Albert and the Victorian Christmas because Victoria and Albert spend all 20 of their Christmases together at Windsor Castle and... um, yeah, it's, it's a very Christmassy place, technically. I mean, monarchs have been spending Christmas at Windsor Castle since the 12th century, but since Victoria and Albert made Windsor such a central aspect of their Christmas, I thought this would be a good place to start, Nick. It sounds really good. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, I, I love Victoria and Albert's Christmas. I know a little bit, but I don't know a lot, so I'm looking forward to you telling me. You also might think you know some stuff that I might be uh, myth-busting for you today. Ooh. Before we do that, I think there's a few things I should firstly say. Christmas wasn't as big a deal as you might think before Victoria, and that's one of the reasons a lot of traditions come from that era. Uh, People didn't even really take Christmas off. Gifts were more of a New Year's thing. It really wasn't a massive deal. And Victorian Albert and the Victorian period had a big effect on that for a couple of reasons. Firstly, Victoria and Albert were kind of obsessed with the ideal of the family. And they did a lot of propaganda with them and their children to encourage family to be at the centre of life and one aspect of that was to make Christmas all about family. So there's that side. There's also, you know, the Industrial Revolution, which had a massive effect for multiple reasons. Firstly, we start to see the middle classes. So before the Victorian period, really, maybe just before, we kind of just had, you know, the poor people and the rich people. It was very simple. Whereas when we have the Industrial Revolution, we start to see sort of a middle class or a middling sort, they used to call them. As factories come in, you start clocking in and out of work, which was never a thing before. It used to just be, you know, you work when it gets light, you stop when it gets dark. You suddenly start to see the sort of work system that we would see today. And with that comes people that actually have a little bit of disposable income. So they start copying the upper classes and um, they want to buy things to look like the upper classes they suddenly have money for sort of toys and decadent food and christmas traditions so that's one way industrialization massively aids the sort of commercialization of christmas but also with the factories we were able to suddenly mass create toys and mass create christmas cards and mass create everything you know so It's not entirely just Victoria decided Christmas was now going to be a big deal and she sat in her office and came up with a load of traditions and went, this is how we're doing Christmas now. It is a lot to do with sort of like the economy of the time and just sort of natural progressions. Yeah. I was going to say, otherwise, that's even more enthusiastic than I am for Christmas. (laughs) You do have to take all of that into mind. You're going to see the Industrial Revolution pop up a lot in the different topics we look at because it really does explain a lot in this period. So I've got a few different areas. I thought, because there's not particularly, for once we don't have a chronology for this episode, I thought, rather than having a really strict structure, how about you, Nick, suggest some Christmassy themes and Christmassy traditions that you associate 
and uh, I'll tell you about how Victoria invented them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me think. Let me think. What could we go for first? Elf. No. <laughs> she has nothing to do with the elves. Wow. Good start. The Downton Abbey Christmas special. Yeah, no, that's not related to Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we start with Christmas trees? Yeah, let's start with the Christmas I've got a Christmas tree now. Have you? I do. It's decorated. It looks really cute. It's got fairy lights on it. And baubles with made tied up with string because I didn't have anything else. Cute. That sounds very traditional. Yeah. But what did uh, what did Victoria put on her tree? Well. Did she have a tree? She, of course, did have a Christmas tree. But the, this is one of the first myths that I thought we might bust because I don't know if you've heard this, but a lot of people think that Prince Albert, Victoria's husband, introduced Christmas trees to England. And that is not true. Yeah, he did. He turned up at her house with a tree. I was like, Hello. Is a gift. Mm. Yeah, he moved in and was just like, I brought this tree with me from Germany. No, so... Where are they from? King George III, who reigned 1760 to 1820, his wife, Queen Charlotte, mm. she actually used Christmas trees as centrepieces in the 1800s. There's no definite evidence that she decorated like a whole tree in the sense that we would now, but it's possible she did. Did she just decorate the corner like we used to do when we were too small to be able to decorate the whole thing? <laughs> no, the tradition when she, where she came from was to sort of decorate a, a branch um but we do know that in preparation for a christmas party held for the local children Ooh. at windsor castle Topical. in 1800 um she decorated a yew tree at the queen's lodge and it stood in a large tub in the middle of the drawing room and they decorated it with candles what a fire hazard um and fruits sweets things like that and also with toys and it's said that the sweets were separated up between all the children Aww. and um i think i'm not entirely sure but from the story and what i could read from it i think this is like all the children of the workers in at the castle and oh, things like that really like nice. she invited local children in and stuff threw them this party um, divvied all of the sweets and t toys from the Christmas tree up and gave them all out and apparently it was it was great fun. Oh, that sounds really nice. Just so just so we're clear on dates, because you mentioned that that was in the 1800s. What dates are we looking at for Victoria and Albert? Because obviously they are also the 1800s. Victoria was born in 1819, dies in 1901, so... She's quite old when she dies. That's quite good. She she was our longest reigning monarch before Elizabeth II, right? She was indeed, yeah. And she came to the throne in 1838. Oh, 38. I thought it was 36. I wasn't far off. Not far off. So we also know that Victoria definitely had heard of Christmas trees before Albert came along because she writes about it in her diary. She writes everything in her diary. That woman, I don't know how she has time, but... When she was 13, she wrote in her diary about the trees at her home, Kensington Palace. But we do know that Albert massively encouraged the tradition. Before he came along, it definitely wasn't something that people would see outside castles, really. Whereas he sort of makes it a popular tradition. Particularly, a very famous illustration in the London News in 1848, there was a drawing of... Victoria and Albert and all their children surrounding the Christmas tree and that was circulated a lot and people really picked up on that and it became a massive thing. Yeah. So they said that most often they would have a Christmas tree for each family member. Although there's another diary entry where it talks about having two Christmas trees, one for the family and one for the um, the house servants. 
Okay. So that's quite sweet. They would often hang them from the ceiling. They'd remove the chandeliers so that the candles from the chandelier wouldn't drip onto them. You know, drip and set fire to everything. Um, but they would then hang the trees from the chandelier places um, rather than having them on the floor growing up. I love that they removed the chandelier in case the candles dripped onto the tree. But then they put. But then they put candles on the tree. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be a few... Maybe they different, did it different every year. You know, they don't have to do it the same for every year for the, what, 60 years she reigned for because there is some reference to having sort of a couple of trees, some references to having them hanging from the ceiling. There's some references of having a table for each fa- family member with a tree in the middle and then their presence around it. So, you know, but most of the time they would have candles, sweets, fruits, dried fruits, things like that. And they'd tie them all on with little ribbons. And yeah, so I thought that was quite interesting because that's really, whilst maybe, yeah, Albert didn't bring them over, like a lot of people say, he definitely made it a tradition that this middle class that we've talked about started picking up on and going, oh, well, if the royal family have Christmas trees, we want Christmas trees. And then sort of that's how it started coming in. Oh, I didn't know that. So can I pick something else now? Absolutely. I think I'm done for Christmas trees. So what about gifts? When when did we start giving gifts at Christmas? Yeah, so again, this is something that kind of started or massively increased, we should probably say, under Victoria and Albert because, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, not a massive deal with gift giving and stuff around Christmas. It was more around New Year's that people did that. But we do definitely know that the King and Queen, or Prince and Queen, did a lot of gift giving, a lot of gift giving. Interestingly... Presents were not wrapped, so actually you would be able to see everyone's presents under the tree. That takes out half the fun. Which really ruins something I used to love to play in the lead up to Christmas. My dad and I used to go and look at the presents under the Christmas tree and try and guess what was what. But, you know, if you don't wrap them, that's just like, ah, I see I got a book there. Do you know what, though? It saves saves so much time when you've got one of those random shaped things to... To wrap, like I think one year we gave a a star candle to. Mom. Oh, that was a difficult one to wrap. I think I left you to it. Yeah, I think you did. So they, uh, yeah, they didn't use to wrap them. As I say, separate trees with the presents for each of them around it. This is in the royal family, obviously. I'm sure most households didn't do this. And because of Victoria's wonderful diaries, again, we have amazing amounts of detail onto what everyone was given. I'm not going to go into them all because it would take forever. I've read so many Christmas presents now. The gist of it seems to be a lot of jewellery, a lot of art, and then obviously toys for the children. Seems to be the general thing. Sort of Victoria's diary entries all sort of go, I got this lovely thing from mother. I gave this to mother. The children all bought, the children all made me this or something. It's really sweet. It sounds kind of like a normal family. It's quite nice. Until you uh, start to think about the prices behind it all. Yeah. Because... Oh, no. Yeah, this is this is interesting. So, firstly, the Christmas trees and tables one year were painted by artists such as William Corden, the Younger, and James Roberts. So, they are paying to have the tables in which the Christmas trees are on decorated by very famous artists. Do they keep the paint on afterwards or do they just wash it off? I don't know. I don't know. It's a bit expensive. But let's, let's get into a couple. I've got a couple of examples of what was given between Albert and Victoria, mm-hmm. mainly. They're the most interesting. 1840 included a portrait which Victoria commissioned by the artist John Partridge. I didn't, that name didn't really ring a bell for me. I'm not sure if it would with you. Oh, it rings a bell for me. Yeah. Um, she had a portrait of herself made in 1840 for 
Albert, and in it, it's quite a famous picture now because she's wearing a locket, a glass locket, containing Albert's hair, which he had given her a previous year or something like that. They're very sentimental. There's a lot of giving of pictures of each other. It's so nice, though, because they obviously really loved each other. And they really did. It's really sad, Um, One year, the Queen gave Albert a walking stick (laughs) and a picture of Lucas Cranach. The Prince once gave... Victoria, a drawing of their baby daughter. Aww. 1841, Victoria received a brooch with sapphires, rubies, emeralds and diamonds containing a miniature portrait of her first child. Wow. In, so I'm uh, just totting up the prices of that in my head. And the main one I wanted to talk about, yeah. again, 1841, I think I picked up a lot of information from that year. Victoria gave Albert, among other gifts, a Beautiful oil painting of Eos, who was uh, Albert's German greyhound. And the most interesting thing that I found about this is um, we actually can line it up to the ledgers. Okay. It came to £152.10. Excellent. What is that now? £15,872.75 for one of the presents she gave him that year. Right. Also, something I wanted to mention is... As I said, um, seasonal gifts normally given for New Year's, so it sort of introduced Christmas time, although not Christmas Day. When do they do it? Albert is obviously German, and mm. they would give their gifts on Christmas Eve, like the Germans still do, and actually the royal oh. family still do that. All of the royal families still give their Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. I understand it, but I like the wait I think a lot of my favourite parts of Christmas are actually Christmas Eve so I think if I also was opening the presents then it would sort of I I wouldn't care about Christmas Day (laughs) you're kind of it's over by that point then isn't it like it's what are you I like the build up but we do a lot of baking on Christmas Eve don't we so we do indeed gifts for the children traditionally were things like skipping ropes toy soldiers that was all as we've said made possible by the industrial revolution you know you couldn't have given presents like that if we hadn't been able to start Mm. factory manufacturing so it all came alongside like you know Victoria and Albert are promoting this idea of Christmas and being with family and giving gifts but also all those lovely little toys painted with lead (laughs) yeah one of the most important gifts that we have um surviving from Prince Albert was the one that he ordered for Queen Victoria to give her Christmas 1861. The prince actually died on the 14th of December 1861 at Windsor Castle. And um, the item of jewellery was then given to the Queen by her daughter I think and she had it engraved that saying I can't quite remember now I haven't got it written down but saying commissioned by Prince Albert given by Princess whichever daughter it was that gave it to her it was really sweet and it was apparently also it was a really sweet present because it was it was a delicate bracelet containing a hand coloured Uh, 1859 photograph of the Duchess of Kent who had died in the March of that year and was set with pearls to symbolise love and mourning in the feeling language of jewellery. So it was was meant, it was made as a piece of jewellery to represent mourning and love about someone else but then obviously ended up representing Albert because he died before he gave it to us. So much sadness in one present. I'm actually tearing up. That's really sad. I think it's also sad because we, we know how much they loved each other. Let's get back to happier things. Pick another topic. What about Christmas carols? 
Okie dokie. Um, so obviously, carols were not invented in Victoria's period. Um, it was a tradition that's been around for a long time. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. I think that was written in the 17th century. You know, we had others before, but it was massively revived and popularised under Victoria. Um, and they considered it a sort of a delightful entertainment form around Christmas time. And they really encouraged carol singing. So some of the songs invented in Victoria's time. Okay. 1843, O Come All Ye Faithful. I like that one. 1848, Once in Royal David City. 1851, See Amid the Winter Snow, which I don't really know that well. I don't know that. 1868, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Oh, I love that one. 1883, Away in a Manger. The, the OG of... Some big names. The, the OGs. Obviously, also, not directly about carols, but we can see how important carols became again from the fact that Mr. Charles Dickens named a rather famous novel, The Christmas Carol, um, which kind of shows how influential Christmas carols were becoming again, but also encourages Christmas carols. That book really epitomises sort of the ideals that were coming about during the Victorian period about Christmas. It's all about encouraging the rich to give to the poor, being kind, natured, goodwilled. Also in the book, they describe the festivities, family ties that we've talked about already. They describe the turkey, you know, so very... From Charles Dickens' Victorian era book, we start. We can see a Christmas that we would recognise. Yeah, and obviously Kermit's rendition was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Victoria didn't have Victorian period didn't have anything specifically to do with the Muppets' Christmas Carol. Don't spoil but, you know. it. Yeah, I really like Christmas Carol. I actually really like Charles Dickens in general. I started reading the Christmas Carol once, but I'll be honest, I just ran out of time. It's a long book. No, it's about it's. It, it's really small. Okay, fine. It's not a long book. I just didn't have time. Christmas Carol's it. tiny. It's so Shh. small. I couldn't be bothered to read it. <laughs> it's so long. Spoken like someone who's genuinely, definitely not read it. I mean, I was reading it on my Kindle. I couldn't actually see how long it was. I just ran out of time. Oh, okay. What, uh, what other things do people do at Christmas? Well... A couple of different things. Um, Victorian parlour games were quite dangerous sometimes, a bit more um, painful than uh, a game of charades. What did they do? One was called Snapdragon. That sounds fun. What is it? You have to set alight a bowl of raisins and brandy and grab and eat the on-fire raisins without causing injury or fire. Right, I was going to say, maybe we should play this for Christmas, but no, let's not. Also, I'm not really a fan of raisins. There was another game, uh, Are You In There Moriarty? A game where two blindfolded players would try to batter each other over their head with a folded newspaper. (laughs) Let's play that. Can we play that? That sounds fun. Also, they would do plays and winter sports, Albert was big into, which I find this story is excellent. So there was a lot of skating on Frogmore Estate and there's a story that comes up in the TV show Victoria, if you've seen it. I have. I watched that entire show with my laptop out because every single episode I was like, did that really happen? Did that really happen? This one did happen, but it didn't happen at the time they claimed it did. I think in one of the episodes they claimed it happened at Christmas, which it didn't. But Albert once was skating in the gardens of Buckingham Palace and the ice broke under him. Yeah, he got he got trapped in the water for a little bit and Queen Victoria had to help him out. Um, but he went home and was fine and had a little hot bath and a rest and he was okay. But yeah, she talks about that in her diary. Yeah, so that didn't happen at Windsor, but he did used to skate in the grounds of Windsor as well. And... Uh, 
Also, interestingly, what I heard, Albert loved these sorts of winter sports and the children would go out and things. But Victoria tried to learn how to ice skate, decided she didn't like it and actually most of the time would just have someone push her around on a sledge whilst Albert skated. I love that. (laughs) The benefits of being queen. (laughs) I don't, you know, I used to love ice skating and I went like a couple, I went a couple of years ago. And I can't, like, it really freaks me out. But from the sound of what, um, from the sound of that, though, that just makes me think that Victoria was one of those ones that had to sort of hold on to the penguin as she skated. Do you know what I mean? Hold on to the penguin? Have you not seen those? No. Is that really random? So in all the pla- most of the places that I've gone skating, they have like those little plastic penguins that children can hold on to whilst they skate to like balance themselves. Oh. That's really cute. Yeah, so, um, yeah, no, they didn't have real penguins in Victorian England, don't worry. <laughs> that's really that's really cute. I love the idea that she's being pushed around. Yeah. It's nice that she wanted to join in. Exactly, yeah. It sounds like it's something that comes up in her diary a lot, I think. Um, Can you yeah. imagine that being your job description? What do you do? I push the Queen around on ice. Nice. Seasonal it's, job, though. It's a season, seasonal job. <laughs> and, of course, something else they obviously did at Christmas, Christmas dinners. Oh, of course. What did they... Is it time to talk about food now? What did they eat? Did they have turkey? Did they have Yorkshire puddings? Did they have Christmas pudding? And did they have teeny tiny little sausages wrapped in bacon? Roast turkey was definitely something that came about in Victorian Britain. Other roasted meats like beef, goose, things like that were normally the centrepiece of a Christmas dinner if they happened before that. The uh, the more wealthy started having turkey in the 19th century because it was a good size for, like, the middle-class family. And, uh, yeah, it started to become the dominant dish by the beginning of the 20th century. Um, do you want to hear a little bit about the turkey? Yeah, do. His name was Bob. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way I introduced that was weird. So turkeys were obviously came over from the Americas mm-hmm. hundreds of years before Victorian mm-hmm. times. You know, that's late 15th century when... Um, when we started going over to the Americas. But um, when Victoria first came to the throne, chicken and turkey were too expensive for most people to enjoy. Mm. And, uh, yeah, beef was normally the favoured choice. It's really interesting, because now I would say beef is probably... I mean, turkey. turkeys are obviously expensive, but because we only have them once a year. But I would say beef is now the most expensive meat. Um, well, not the, the most expensive. You know, you've got like venison and stuff as well. But yeah. <laughs> I was about to say of the main meats. I don't know what that is. And that's probably incredibly different for every person. I know what you mean, though. Many poor people just had rabbit. Christmas Day, 1840. And I don't know why I've got so much information about 1840. But, you know, um, included both beef and a course of royal roast swan. Oh, no. Also, interestingly, linked to the Christmas meals, you know, I was talking about how charity became a really big thing under the Victorian period. We started to see our first uh, welfare state, although it was a sorry excuse of one, you know, because we also had uh, workhouses in this period. But um, Victorians saw themselves as very giving and charitable and they believed that everyone should have Christmas. In 1851, a massive marquee was set up in Leicester Square in London. And uh, it was to feed all of the homeless or people that were struggling to make sure they would get Christmas dinner too. They fed 22,000 people and it was all like roast beef, pie. Um, They had plum pudding, teas, coffees, things like that. And uh, yeah, they surrounded it with lights and flowers and uh, yeah. Amazing. Apparently similar events happened in most of the cities around the country. Oh, that sounds really good. Final little um, 
piece of information about food mm. is about mince pies. Oh, mince pies. I've had one and a half today already. I haven't had any mince pies yet this year. When you look at the Victorian recipes, they have proven that their tradition dates back to Tudor time. But in the 19th century, mm-hmm. there was a complete revolution of how it was made. It was originally made with actual mince and that is the funny thing about like yeah and it would be added to some fruity sort of spices and things like that but it was originally real mince meat that's just wrong during victorian period we start to see mixes without meat gaining popularity with mainly fruit and sort of the style that we see today mince pies were originally actually in the shape of little mangers oh so have we got any more stuff that I can ask you about or are we nearing the end, Georgia? So I've got a few more topics that we particularly need to talk about. We can either go Christmas cards or decorations. Decorations. Okie dokie. So we've already talked about the Christmas tree, of course, and uh, they did have lights and um, little fruits and things like that in the trees originally, but apparently the first advertisements for tree ornaments appeared in 1853. And I know that in that very famous picture of Victoria and Albert and their children all around a Christmas tree that I was talking about, yeah, there are ornaments on that tree. Were they like glass baubles or were they little wooden figurines? Yeah, I mean, I think a bit of a combination of both, really. Again, as we've talked about quite a few times, this is one of those things where um, without industrialisation, obviously couldn't have had ornaments because they were mass-produced. The old tradition, um, we did already have the song Deck the Halls with Bowels of Holly by this point, and that is because people used to deck the halls with bowels of holly. Um, and so that was a thing, but as we get industrialization and we get the uh, middling sort appear also known as the middle class it all becomes about uniformity elegance you know uh order i mean i'm sure you've heard of sort of like the conduct books in this period which was basically prescriptive texts about how each group in society should behave um Gosh, there are loads of names of them. Let me think of a couple for you. So uh, there was one called A Letter of Genteel and Moral Advice to a Young Lady. Oh, Things like that. And yeah, so they had all these prescriptive books and in these they were telling you how you should decorate. And this wasn't just for Christmas. In 1881, there was a Cassell's family magazine which gave strict directions to the lady of the house to bring about a general feeling of enjoyment much depends on the surroundings and it talks about like all the decorations that should be in the books and stuff and you know during this period we see sort of um pristine and elegant decorations coming in uh also though that's not the only thing we see because also we see christmas crackers coming in as a decoration uh, again not quite victoria inventing this but someone in the victorian period whilst in paris British sweet shop owner Tom Smith invented the cracker in the 1840s because he saw the little French bonbons and thought, oh, that would be fun if, you know, we put them in something. He later on perfected the bang that comes with it today and put little trinkets and jokes and gifts inside them and stuff and really... Yeah, that's how we got the first Christmas cracker, so... I love a Christmas cracker. And you also mentioned Christmas cards. Indeed, yeah. Christmas cards, again, it's one of those things wouldn't have been possible without the Industrial Revolution and without people having a little bit of money, um, which was helped by the Industrial Revolution. So, invented originally by Henry Cole in 1843... 
um, who was the first director of the V&A. Oh. Yeah. Um, so he introduced the idea and basically he commissioned the artist J.C. Horsley to design a festive scene and had a thousand printed um, and those he didn't use himself were sold to the public. Later in the century, you know, they improved the printing process and literally made them so that by 1880, over 11 million Christmas really? cards were being printed a year. That's incredible. So they it, quite, it really took off quite fast. And it was also helped by the introduction of something called the Penny Post, which was meant that any person, rich or poor, could send a handwritten letter for just a penny. So, um, yeah, Victorians put some odd things on their Christmas cards, like oh. dead birds, images of dead relatives. Why? And, uh, yeah, all sorts of things. I... Quite typical. Victorians like dead things. Well, that just about wraps me up, I think, for all the Victorian traditions. Obviously, as we said, we wanted to focus on Victoria and Albert this year because mm-hmm. they were they spent all their Christmases at Windsor. But, you know, maybe in future years of podcasts around Christmas time, we could talk about other exciting Christmas traditions through the eras because I know there's some very interesting history around Christmas and the Cromwellian period. Oh... The man banned mince pies. He did. He did not like Christmas. So we could definitely talk about that at some point. And uh, yeah, let us know if you liked this episode, but different this time. Not as connected to castles, but you know. I liked it, Georgia. I felt very informed. So if you liked it too, please uh, give us a little review or say hi to us on on twitter mm-hmm. uh if you want to contact podcastles the podcast you can reach us we're at podcastles on mo- on all social medias and you can email us at podcastlespodcast.co.uk you can also go to our blog podcastlesco.co.uk yep and i'm on twitter at nikita bethany and i'm george Zana. so we're very available we are indeed and you should absolutely let us know what you think of it and let us know what you're up to around christmas let us know will you be incorporating any victorian traditions into your christmases this year i think i'm going to make my mince pies in the shape of mangers this year i'm going to put candles on the christmas trees and maybe we should play those games as well i would quite like to hit you over the head with a uh, newspaper nick that would be fun well so long as you don't hit me over the head with your version of uh, christmas carol because your one seems huge because <laughs> mine's really long <laughs> yeah i will happily chase you around the house hitting you with a newspaper on christmas Street. and we will be back in the new year with a new county yes we will we tell you which one but we haven't figured it out <laughs> uh, so merry christmas everybody and we will see you soon merry christmas bye au revoir